we get into the Christmas, the Advent season, and what a great day to begin that as the Lord is here. I hope you have been able to sense Him as well, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, bringing God's Word to you this morning and trusting He will continue to speak His voice to us as we celebrate together during this time. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Get your outlines ready if you want to take notes this morning. We are going to begin a series this Advent season called Born the King. And this is really a, a cool series, a cool season, because it's one of those times where the entire Christian world comes together to talk about the same thing. Sometimes I wonder as pastors if we, if we try too hard to be creative in delivering God's Word to you. And some of you need that creativity. Some of you get it on your own and you're digging in on your own and you, you're there and you're mature and you're growing and that's great. But some of us just need kind of a, a kickstart as well. But what's really cool about our denomination in this series is that this series is being preached throughout the entire world in our denomination. And uh, not this exact message. We all have freedom to, to, to make it our own. But uh, the entire denomination has been given some resources this Advent season. And one of those resources is your Advent reading resource for your family. So there are reading plans this Advent. If you want to pick one of those up on the welcome table as you leave, if you haven't got one already, that will help you this season to stay reminded of what the real reason for Christmas is. And we are excited to celebrate that reason today as well. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you've expected something big, but you didn't know when it was going to happen? You expected something great, but you didn't know when it was going to come. Let me share a story with you briefly about, about a time in my life. Uh, and my, my family history is a little bit um, blended, if you will, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the way the Lord has used that. Uh, when I got married, I became a father on that very moment. And I love uh, my son, Ian, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, Ian uh, was Alicia's before we got together, and I have adopted Ian as my son, and he's mine. I'm so thankful for that. But one of the things I did not get to experience in that was the birth of Ian. And so when we were pregnant with Emma, I was expecting something big. But I didn't know when it was going to come. You know, you got your timetable all figured out, as, as parents do. You know, you find out you're pregnant. You find out you're going through all of this. And you're thinking, okay, so we can kind of guesstimate when this is going to happen. Well, one thing you need to know about Alicia, and you, you will go tell her, even if I tell you, don't tell her this. Um, she, you know, they say there's a bun in the oven. She was more of a, a bun in the microwave type of person. And so uh, all of our children were born premature. And uh, so we, we really didn't know what we were in for, but we were expecting something big. So big that as time was nearing close, uh, Alicia was going through uh, labor early and having contractions, and there was, there was false alarms, and there was many trips to the hospital and, and out. Well, it came at a time of the year where I was a little distracted, I'll be honest. Um, this came at a time in, in our life when, when my teams that I root for are actually, were actually good. Um, and so it was this time of year, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers were actually playing well, and they were going to a bowl game. And in fact, it was a New Year's Day bowl game. And they were getting ready to go to the Cotton Bowl, and one of my buddies called me. He said, hey, I got tickets to the Cotton Bowl. You want to go with me to Dallas? 
I'm like, yes, I will go with you to Dallas. And I look at Alicia and she says, I'm about to have this baby. You're going to Dallas? I said, yeah, but we don't know when she's going to come. It'll be okay. I'm just going to go for a few days and we'll come back. And then, then I'll, my full focus will be on what's happening at home. I know mistake number one, I went to Dallas. And uh, I got to watch the Huskers in the Cotton Bowl against Auburn that year. And it was a great trip and a great, a great time had. And we got back, and as soon as we got back, we got back late in the evening that night, and, and Alicia, I lay down to bed, and I'm, I'm tired from, from travel. I didn't get much sleep, and she hits me, and she says, it's time. And I'm thinking, Lord, I'm tired. I need to sleep. She goes, we need to go to the hospital now. I said, okay. So I jumped up. I grabbed the to-go bag. We got in the car. We went to the hospital. And uh, turns out we didn't have the baby that night, but it was the beginning of a long and tenuous week in the hospital with Emma being born a week later. And uh, it was such an incredible time in our life. We were expecting a new life. We were expecting this newborn child, but we didn't know when she was going to come. We didn't know when it was going to happen. And we didn't know all that would go on in that process in that time. And I could tell you more details about that story that are so incredible in the miracle of God taking over in, in the birth of, of our daughter, Emma. Uh, I'll spare you those for this time for her sake more than yours. Uh, but I was expecting something big, but it was coming at an unexpected time. You know, I think that we've all probably been in a place like that. Maybe you can think of those times in your life where you've been waiting for something to happen, something that was going to be so great, something you couldn't wait to experience in your life, but you may not have known when it was going to happen. Maybe it was a new, a new baby, a new life, a new person in your family. Maybe it was a new job. Or maybe some, sometimes you can think back to your life when you were expecting that new relationship and you didn't know when it was going to happen. You didn't know when Mr. or Mrs. Wright was going to walk into your life. You know, sometimes I wonder, though, uh, are we waiting for things, are we waiting for something that will bring us hope? Sometimes I wonder if what we're waiting for really gives us hope. And, and so there's, there's something to be said that when we have urgency in our waiting for something to be expected, and we, we know it's coming, but how do we handle the unexpected. How do we deal with the unexpected? You see, when there's situations in our life that we're uncertain of, that we don't know that are coming, that they literally blindside us in life, and we didn't expect it, we didn't plan for it, and yet there's still urgency in our life to deal with it. We deal with it in the urgency of the matter. I think of just recently in our own family, we we were in a car accident in, uh, a couple weeks ago when the ice storm hit. We were on the road, and we, we, we uh, went off the side of the road, and, and it, it messed up our vehicle, but thankfully we were all safe. But I wasn't expecting to go through this Christmas season with car repairs on my to-do list. I wasn't expecting that to happen. And in fact, when it did happen, I thought, oh, no, Lord, help us in this moment. And he did, and he protected us. But I didn't expect to get into a car wreck. I didn't expect that tragedy, that, that trauma in our life to happen. I wasn't 
planning for it, but I guarantee you it did something in my life in that moment. It spiked my urgency to respond. It, it made me, as soon as that vehicle came to a stop, the urgency set in in me to do something to make sure we got out of that situation safe. And then there's times in our life when the unexpected happens to us that that urgency kind of works in different ways for, for us in different, at different times. Sometimes the urgency takes place and we're scared of the urgency. And the urgency takes over and we actually probably sit in our problem too long because we're scared of there needs to be something that goes on right now. We need to be urgent. We need to respond to this. But in fact, we don't know how to deal with the unexpected and so we sit in our problem too long and that urgency becomes stress. That, that stress becomes hard to deal with at times. And, and at times it can quickly overcome us in many ways. I think of the Christmas season. It is no different this year than it was last year. Yet the Christmas season causes urgency in many of us. You know, we, we expect Christmas to come, but sometimes we act like it was unexpected, if you know what I mean. Did you know this? Christmas in, in America happens every year on December 25th. Did you know that that doesn't change? Every year, December 25th, Christmas will happen. Next year, December 25th, 2020, Lord willing, if he doesn't come, Christmas will happen. That means you can expect Christmas to happen next year as long as you're alive. Amen? Christmas is not an unexpected thing in our life. And yet we treat it as it is. And we think, oh man, I only have, I don't even know how many days we have shopping days left. 24? That's yeah, it is the first, isn't it? We have 24 days uh, to shop for Christmas. We, we have things that, that we are begin to stress out about because they've become urgent in our life. And then the unexpected does happen. Maybe the tires go out on your car. Maybe there's a new family member to buy for this year that you didn't have last year, and you forgot about it. Maybe there's extra dinner guests coming to the table, and you just don't know what you're going to do. You see, our text today is we read about a time when there's an expected event that's going to happen. But the timing of that event is unexpected. So I want us to, to look at our text today, and I want us to see that we need to expect the unexpected. Matthew 24, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 36. And I'm in the New Living Translation. It's on your screen in front of you. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me as I read. This is Jesus' words, and he's talking, and this is what Jesus says. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you, too, must keep watch. 
for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You see, if something we know bad is going to happen in our life, we probably would prepare for it. Just as our text said, if we knew the home invasion was coming, we would prepare for it. We would be ready for it. I want us to take a look at this very spiritual movie clip for just a moment from Home Alone. Such a wonderful Christmas movie. Uh, parental guidance is encouraged. Um, but take a look at this clip. I want to talk about it in just a minute. Mark, 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 look at this. I think we're getting scammed by a Kids there, the parents got to be. He's home alone. Gotta be kidding. You want to come back tonight? Uh huh? Even with the kid here? Uh huh? I don't think that's a good idea. Look, that house is the only reason we started working this block in the first place. Ever since I laid eyes on that house, I wanted it. Let's take it one step at a time, okay? We'll unload the bed. Get a bite to eat, we'll come back about nine o'clock. This way it's dark then. Yeah. Kids are scared of the dark. You're afraid of the dark too, Mom. You know you. No, I'm not. <laughs> not, not, not. So you see in this this movie clip, Kevin is home alone and his family has, has left on vacation and he's there. And these robbers are staking out the neighborhood. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm not giving anything away to you. But anyway, they come and they want this house. They want to break into this house. And they find that Kevin is there. But they tell their plan out loud. And Kevin hears when they're coming. And so the whole, the rest of the movie ensues with Kevin as you begin to watch him get ready for their arrival. He gets ready with a plan to deal with these robbers. He was confident in his plan. He began to work his plan. And I would even argue that his confidence in his plan gave him hope as he was going to fight back. So I wonder today, do we have hope in our waiting for the expected and the unexpected? 
I believe we can learn from God's word today, not from home alone, as we have patience in waiting, and that can bring us hope this Christmas season. This Christmas season, we are anticipating the expected return of Christ. So I want to ask the question this morning, where is your hope this Christmas season? Where is your hope this Christmas season? The first thing I want us to, to check with, within ourselves, and, and this is really an, an introspective sermon for you to, to take in today. I want you to really do some self-examining of your own heart today as you prepare for the Christmas season. So the first question we have as we think about our hope for this season is, have you lost your focus? Have you lost your focus? You see, here's the thing. We are a distracted people. We are a distracted people. Let's just think about this Christmas season beginning. Some of, some of you, if you've liked anything that's happened in our house, you've begun planning for Christmas October 31st. How many of you had your Christmas tree up in October? Anybody? A couple of us? We were close. I think we were first week in November. We got a lot of dirty looks in our neighborhood uh, for having our Christmas tree up. But here's the thing. Uh, husbands, take note of this, okay? This is free. It's not in your notes. When your wife asks you, can I put up Christmas stuff before Thanksgiving? If you say yes, I will not ask you to help. You say yes. Okay. I have not hung one light. I have not put one ornament on the tree. And I didn't even hang the outside lights. She did all the work. All because she wanted to do it early. So there's joy in being early for Christmas. That's the point of that season. But, but we're distracted. We're distracted. Alicia was so ready for Christmas that many people said, you're forgetting about Thanksgiving. She said, no, 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 no. I'm thankful for Christmas. I'm thankful for Christmas. You see, we're, we're distracted this time of year. And so when we're distracted, it makes us wonder, where's our focus? Is our focus on family? Is it on buying the gifts? Is it on getting the dinner plans ready? You know the old saying, you know, I'm going to go spend money I really don't have to buy gifts for people I don't really know to impress people I really don't care about. You know, our focus can be on the wrong things this season because we're a distracted people. You see, the calendar begin to take control of our focus. And as December has just turned over, I don't know about you, but my calendar's full already for December. And then December happens and we have church events, and we have Christmas parties, and Christmas programs, and, and family travels, and, and all the different things that are going on in December, we can be distracted. These things are not all bad, but they distract us from what's important. In Scripture, we hear some parables, and parable is simply a story that, that God is using to try to teach us something. Some parables that help us to see how easily we can be distracted. And one of these parables comes in our text, and we'll get there in a moment, but I want to highlight two others that we find in Scripture right around this same text area in our Scripture. So if, you, if you're looking at your Bible still in Matthew 25, if you just jump over in the next chapter, we read this parable about the ten bridesmaids. And we see in this parable there's ten bridesmaids. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. You can go back and read it for yourself, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. But let me just summarize it for us today. Ten bridesmaids that are preparing to go and meet their groom. They're wanting to be chosen. They're wanting to be the one. And these 10 bridesmaids, they get their lamps, they get their oil, and they begin to go and wait for the bridegroom to come. 
and to welcome them in. And as they go, they don't know when he is going to come, but they know he's coming. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? An expected outcome at an unexpected time. So these ten bridesmaids go, they have their lamps, they have their oil, and five of them, the Bible tells us, had extra oil. They were preparing for a long wait. And the other five just took their lamps and the oil that they had. And the scripture goes on to tell us that as they were keeping watch, it went overnight, and as they kept their lamps going, the oil began to run out, and the five that didn't have extra oil began to, to literally beg the other five for more oil. Can you please give us oil? We need our lamps to stay lit so that we can be ready when he comes. And they said, no, go into the town and buy more oil. And so the five, they hurry off to town to go buy more oil. And you guessed it, as they're gone, guess who comes? The bridegroom. And he comes and he welcomes these five bridesmaids that are left into his home. And when the five return, they begin shouting and banging and shouting, trying to get his attention. And they say, and this is where it is, verse 11, verse 11, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. You see, they were distracted by a material situation. They were distracted of what was most important in that moment. Another parable that Jesus tells is the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, it goes right after that story, verse 14 to 30. The wealthy man, we read, is about to go on a long trip. My Bible reads long trip. That, made, that clued me in to say this is another expected return at an unexpected time. And you see, he gives some money to his servants. He gives one servant five bags of money. He gives another servant two bags of money. And he gives the third servant one bag of money. He says, I will return and I, you're going to give an account of what I've just given you. And as you know, the story goes, the one with five, he went and he did more with it and he got five more bags of money. The one with two, he went and did something with it and he got two more bags in return. But the one with one bag of money, he was scared of his owner and he was scared of his master and he knew that he was harsh. He knew that he did things that just didn't make sense a lot of times and so he was scared of his return. So he hid the money in the ground and waited for his master to return. See, they were distracted by different things. And as we know the story goes, upon the return, the one with five and two, the master says to them, well done, my good and faithful servant. But the one with one bag, he says, now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. I don't know about you, but that makes me kind of take warning that I don't want to be distracted for the expected event at the unexpected time. You see, God's blessings, they call us to respond. God never entrusts us his benefits without an expectation of return. And this Christmas season, we need to be reminded that the benefit that we've been given is that we were given Jesus the first time. Jesus came and he lived in this world and he died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. What an incredible benefit that was. But the Bible says when he died and was buried in the tomb, he rose again on the third day and he went and he went and he sat at the right hand of the Father so that he would come back again. You see, God gave his blessing to us. 
He entrusted his blessing to us, and he's expecting us to do something with it because he's coming back to find out what we did. So are we distracted? Are we distracted on what really matters this Christmas season? You see, these parables, these stories, they should help us to understand that we are a distracted people. We know that what Christmas is all about. We know, if I, if I was to pull all of us, we, we could give the right answer. Christmas is about Jesus' birth. See, we know that our focus sometimes gets on the wrong priorities. We know what Christmas is about, but sometimes our focus is on the wrong priorities. You see, good things can prevent us from the right focus. If we're not careful this season of Christmas and Advent, we can allow our distractions, our loss of focus, to impact our readiness for Christ coming again. Distractions, if we're not careful, can take away our hope. Distractions can take away our hope. So what is the answer to this question? Have you lost your focus? Well, the answer to the question is this. We need to focus on the expected return. We need to focus on the expected return. You see, Advent is a season for us to regain our focus, to regain our focus. But in order for us to regain our focus, we must look both back and ahead. Let me, let me help us with this this morning. This text might seem like an odd Christmas text. This isn't the normal Christmas story. This isn't a passage of Scripture that we normally read when we're when we're celebrating Christmas with our family. But it is a, a passage of Scripture that I believe the Lord has given us to help us regain what Christmas is all about, to regain our focus. You see, we're called each week of Advent to look back at Christ's birth and remember what was going on. But we are also reminded to look ahead to Christ's return, His expected Return Because Christ's return gives us hope this Christmas season. Christ's return gives us hope this Christmas season. There's been something I've been doing recently as I've been preparing for the new year and I've been thinking about all that Advent does. Believe it or not, Advent is not the end of the year. It's actually the beginning of the church year. So our church year has just started as far as the Christian calendar is concerned. And so I've been thinking about the new year and, and what all goes on with that and and many times when we think about the new year and, and things that happen when we turn the calendar over, we think of resolutions, we think of things that we want to do. And one thing that's been on my mind as your pastor has been the thought of prayer and fasting in a corporate sense and what that means for our church in the new year. And so as I've been praying about that, and I've been, and I've been really studying about what it really means to pray and to fast, we, we use those words a lot. And I've been wondering about that in a personal way. But you see, let me just give you a simple introduction to what you're going to be hearing in the weeks and months to come. But fasting, the purpose of fasting is for us to remove the distractions of the world, to draw closer to the things that matter in our walk with God. It's to separate our, our focus on things of the world and to draw closer to the things of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, it, and we're going to unpack this a lot later, so don't worry about that. But some people think, you know what, but God's called us to be in the world. Yes, he has. We have to be in the world. We're here for a reason and a purpose. But when we pray and we fast, we remove our focus from the things of the world, and we draw closer to the things of God. Does that make sense? 
So fasting should not be something that is a, is a um, we're not starving ourselves from something over here that doesn't really matter. We're in fact giving ourselves something of eternal significance. We're gaining something when we fast. And see, we have to be honest that when we fast, when we have times of prayer and fasting, it should draw us to be hopeful for what Christ is doing in our midst. It should cause us to be reminded that he is coming again and we want to be ready for his, his expected arrival. We want to be ready for him to come. We don't have to worry about when he will come. We don't even have to worry about how he will come. But we do need to worry that we're ready when he comes. Amen? As our children, and uh, if we're honest with one another today, even some of us as adults, we're looking forward to Christmas Day. We're anticipating that special day. But I want us to be reminded today to not just look at that one day that's coming up, but rather we need to be looking forward to Christ's return when he takes us home to heaven. Amen? As we look forward to that day, though, there are distractions that we need to think about. So I want to ask you the question today, as you think about your own life, what distractions are in your life right now that you need to remove so that you can regain your focus on Christ this Christmas season. And on the other hand, maybe you're at a place today where you need to actually add something to your life that will help you regain your focus on Christ this Christmas season. As we anticipate Christmas, we're excited. We're excited for all that it has to do with Christmas, to the gathering of family, the, the opening of gifts and presents, and to really be reminded of what this season is all about. But I hope and pray that we can anticipate Christ's return just as much, if not more. That this season of Advent should give us hope of an expected event at an unexpected time. I want us to, to put a bow on this message this morning, if you will, pun intended. How can... How can we get help this Christmas season to regain our focus? Just a couple of final thoughts this morning. The primary focus of Christmas is the presence of Christ. There's no doubt about that. We celebrate Christmas because it symbolizes the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in this world. The primary focus of Christmas is the presence of Christ. And as Advent, the new year begins, it's often time for us to think about ways we want to improve. And so I want us to ask those questions again to ourselves. As we are preparing to remember the coming of Christ again, what distractions need to be removed for you to regain your focus? What distractions need to be removed for you to regain your focus? And the second question is this. Maybe you're in this boat. What can you add to your life to regain your focus? Let me give you some examples, and then we're, we're going to close. Maybe your life is so busy, it's so chaotic, the calendar's already full, you already have a party to go to every single week, sometimes two. I don't know what your schedule is, but I'm sure it's full this Christmas season. Maybe you can take a moment 
in one of those weeks to maybe just shut off the TV, to turn off the commercials, to look into the eyes of those that are around you, to take inventory of your life, to remove some of those normal distractions and really take a moment to ponder what God has given you and blessed you with. Shut out something of the world to gain something of eternal importance. Or maybe for you, you need to add something. Let me give you a suggestion. Maybe something you can add this Christmas season is that every morning when you wake up to get ready, maybe you can think about this scene, the birth of Jesus. You can add a moment in your day where you say, God, I'm thankful that you sent your son to save me from my sins. And I want to celebrate you today and give you this day and everything that I can do for your glory and honor. Just take a moment of your day to say what, God, I'm adding you to my life this very moment. Despite all the distractions, despite all that's going on, I want to add you to my Christmas plans this season. As we focus on the real meaning of Christ coming to this world the first time, and again soon, we have hope in an expected event that will be happening at an unexpected time. Are we ready? Would you pray with me this morning? God, you are so good to us, and we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that your plan involves sending your son the first time. And we are so thankful that we are able to celebrate every year the birth of Jesus Christ. But God, I pray that this Christmas season you help us to focus not on your birth the first time, but help us to be reminded that you are coming again and we need to be ready. God, I pray that you'd help us. Those of us that need to remove some distractions, would you, would you show us what those are and would you help us to remove them? And God, I pray that you'd help every one of us to add something this Christmas season to our life, to add a little bit more of you in our life so that we can go through this season anticipating an expected event at an unexpected time. And we will give you all the praise and glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good, and I'm so thankful for his love for us and his provision in our life. We get to celebrate again today, and I'm so glad uh, that we get to celebrate baptism again. One thing that Baptism Sunday does for us that we shared in a couple weeks ago is it triggers others in what God is doing in their life and what he's done in their life. And, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm going to ask um, Angel and, and Tanya to come if they would. And, and Angel has an incredible story of what God is doing in her life. And uh, she's going to come and share her testimony with us. And then we're going to celebrate in baptism with her this morning. Thank you. Before I found the Lord, I struggled with drugs, abusive relationships, self-harm. Struggled with the Lord's existence or his ability to help me. I had lost everything due to a house fire and lost complete faith. But at that time, my husband never lost faith and always told me that we would be okay and things would work out. That's when we moved here, and like he always said, things worked out. So now I am here with the Lord and he has changed my whole world. I am so thankful for him 
He has gone. He has gave me a new home, a new family, all my church family. I am so thankful for him having people live and walk in his light to show me the ways that he can help in the way he never backs out of our lives, even when we don't know or acknowledge his existence. But now I believe the knowledge of him can live, shine, and show through my life. Awesome, awesome. We are so glad that we get to celebrate with you today, Angel. Uh, if you get a chance at some point in the next, uh, they've, they have not missed a Sunday or a Wednesday since they started coming, so they're here, and you can have a chance to get to know them, uh, Andy and Angel and their kids and, and their family, and uh, you need to hear her story when she is uh, on a one-on-one -on -one or a group setting. She'll tell you all about it, but God is doing some amazing things in her life, and uh, I'm so thankful for church people, a church family that can come around them and care for them. Uh, and I'm so thankful for the support that our family, our church family has for one another. And we believe in baptism. We believe that baptism, it, it symbolizes on the inside what God, it symbolizes on the outside what God is doing on the inside. And God is doing a work in Angel's life. So we're going to celebrate with her today. And I just want to remind you, church, that you have a responsibility in this as well. The Bible tells us to go into all the world and to, to, um, Go into all the world and make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then to teach them all the things I've commanded them. So our job as a church is now to walk with Angel and Andy and their family and to help them and grow in their walk as they are already growing. And today is an opportunity for us also to celebrate. So I want to remind you again, we're going to go in and prepare in just a moment. We're going to show up right over there, just kind of the magic of television in just a minute. And as we get into the water... I want you to know in the Church of the Nazarene, we believe there's nothing about this water that saves Angel. We believe that the baptism is a symbol of what Christ did for us by being dead. He died for our sins and he was raised to new life. And in baptism, we are symbolizing death to our old life and our sins. And we come out of there a new person transformed by his love and his forgiveness. So Angel has attested to that. She has testified to us of God's work in her life. And uh, we're going to go over there. But when she comes out of that water, I don't want her to hear anything except you cheering her on because the angels in heaven are rejoicing and they are not the only ones that get to party today. Amen? Can you do that? All right. We're going to... Amen. I want to I pray for Angel first and then uh, we're going to ask Pastor Greg to come and we're going to go get ready for this great event. God, would you just come and inhabit this place still? <laughs> don't leave. <laughs> We need you here. We're so thankful for your involvement in this service and this time. I thank you for Angel. I thank you for what you're doing in her life. I pray a special blessing upon her as she continues to witness to her family and to those around her in her world. I pray, God, that you continue to help her to point others to you in the days and the weeks ahead. And I pray, God, that you would help us all as your church to be faithful, to help them, to encourage them, to uplift them, and to walk this life with them. We love you for what you're doing. We give you praise for everything that you're going to do. And we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. And now all God's people said, amen. Well, praise the Lord. God is good. And we're going to uh, take just a moment to share with you a couple of announcements as they're preparing and getting ready. I believe we have a, a video for 
the kids program that is coming up, so give your attention to that. This Christmas, get ready to experience a Christmas like no other. Imagine a Christmas party big enough for your whole family. A Christmas party with singing, dancing, comedy, games, sketches, and more. A Christmas party where you will experience the meaning of Christmas through sound, sights, touch, taste, and smells. Wait, what? Jingle Jam! Finally! A sensible Christmas party for you and you and you and you and everyone! Merry Christmas! Amen. Well, Pastor Alicia has already warned us that this is going to be a Christmas program like no other. So December 15th at 10 o'clock, we want you to be here, and you are encouraged to bring family and friends. This would be an occasion for you to bring that person that says, I don't want to come to some old stuffy church service where they're just going to sing 100-year-old songs and preach at me. Bring them to this, and uh, they, will, they will hear the message of the gospel of Jesus and have a great time. It's going to be interactive, and and we'll enjoy that time together with our kids. Um, so I just want to encourage you to be praying about that time together and uh, use it as an opportunity to invite someone in. Uh, Bob's going to come, and he has uh, some uh, announcements for us. Uh, we've kind of been wrapping things up with our efforts for Operation Christmas Child and the shoeboxes. So, Bob, share with us what God's been doing. As we continue to celebrate what God has done, first of all, I... I don't normally have my phone with me in church, but since Aubrey had sent me that message early this morning, wanted to kind of keep up to date. So just got a message a few minutes ago saying that they made it to their destination. So I'll say thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, so on the shoeboxes, uh, to celebrate what God is doing there uh, with Operation Christmas Child, our church packed 568 shoeboxes at our packing party. And so that was awesome. And then we had some individuals bring in shoeboxes throughout the week to bring our total to 627 shoeboxes. And then um, the church has been so generous in helping to pay for the shipping and handling uh, uh, through offerings and through uh, just folks giving generously to that. So we had enough to cover the 568 shoeboxes for the shipping and handling. And then we had another 120 shoeboxes that we packed with extra stuff that people had been giving us throughout the last several weeks, and there was enough money to pay for those 120 shoeboxes, so we thank you for that as well. Uh, and then, as you saw, the trailers parked out behind the Family Center. Um, we actually had a problem there. We had to get a fourth trailer this year, so that was a good thing to, uh, to uh, handle all the cartons, but just in a Pike County area, we collected 2,615 shoeboxes from churches and individuals and groups. So that was a, a big increase for us from the past. And then uh, last Monday, we had all of the, the drop-off locations from Quincy to Bowling Green and Hannibal and Jacksonville and Whitehall and Ashland and Rushville and where else? Palmyra, yeah. So we have uh, nine different locations that brought their uh, shoe boxes for a total of 18,124 
shoeboxes. So that was uh, over a, a thousand more than our goal. Our goal was 16,900 and some. So God just blew that away, and uh, we can celebrate that today. But um, just quickly, there was a, um, anybody ever heard of Wild Peach, Texas? Ever been there? So we had this uh, little uh, testimony of a, of a church of 30 people in Wild Peach, Texas. God had laid it upon their heart to pack 2,000 shoeboxes, church of 30 people. And they said, Pastor, that's a big number. And as they prayed, they said, Lord, we can't do this, but you can. And he did. They packed over 2,000 shoeboxes, and that was about three years ago. So uh, this last year, that same church has grown to 50 people now. They packed over 11,000 shoeboxes. I just I don't say that to make us feel bad that we packed 600 and so I might just say, look what God did and praise him for that. He's not calling every church to pack that many shoeboxes, but he called them to do it, and he provided what they needed, not only to pack the shoeboxes, but also to uh, pay for the shipping and handling. That would be $100,000 right there. So look what God has done. I say praise the Lord. Just also a quick reminder, we're going to send notes of encouragement to Aubrey. Um, there was an announcement in here uh, on that. If you'd like to send a, a note, um, you could just leave it out here in the, fam in the uh, foyer, and we'll make sure that she gets that package. Thank you. Praise God. Yes, give him a hand. We are just about ready to celebrate, but let me pass a couple of other things along to you. I hope you got a bulletin. If you didn't, please be sure and grab a bulletin off the Welcome Center on your way out. Uh, a couple of items that are in there. Primetime group, 55 and older, Tuesday, December the 10th, going to Quincy uh, to eat out and Festival of Lights. Uh, church van leaves at 5 o'clock, so please make note of that. It's in your bulletin there. There's some other announcements about the World Evangelism offering. I hope you'll take time to read that. Uh, year-end contributions. There's a note in there for you regarding that as well. There's also a box on the welcome table if God has laid Aubrey on your heart to show love and care to her in a in a direct way. You can uh, put some, a card, a note of encouragement or prayer in the box that's on the welcome table there as well. Ladies, the ladies brunch and ornament exchange. There's a, an announcement in there also for Saturday, December the 7th here at the Family Center. Please keep that in mind. They wanted me to especially emphasize to you about decorating tables, for sure. So you need to sign up for that, okay? And that's out on the in the foyer. So please be sure and sign up to decorate a table. All right. Are you ready to celebrate new life in Christ this morning? Amen. Let's do that. baptistry so <laughs> we're excited to celebrate today with with angel and uh this is the best part about being a pastor is that we get to celebrate new life in christ and so this is my pleasure and i'm glad you let us celebrate with you so thank you for that <laughs> but angel i have a couple questions for you do you believe that jesus christ has forgiven you of your sins and that your desires to live for him the rest of your life good and it's my my privilege as your pastor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
how great is our God. Let's stand up and sing that. The splendor of the you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you as you go today.